This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Coach said that you were angry going into this one. Is that fair to say? And how, how would you describe just very, how you went into very this? Very fair. Yeah, yeah very fair. Um, just not the most pleasant when I'm angry. <laughs> Thanks, Bill Bixby. Incredible Hulk, you wouldn't like me when I'm mad. That's also a Judd Zolgad press conference after uh, the old wild Parisi Suter Wild would, uh, would blow <laughs> leads or make a, make a furious comeback yeah. only to come up a goal <laughs> short. Touche. I'm just, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't like not me. Not the most pleasant, yeah. It is, though. It, it, it's the Hulk. You wouldn't like me I when am, I'm angry. I am your father. Yeah. Cat, cat. Rock, I mean, listen, man. Right. Rocking the jean jacket, the Yankees hat, and breathing into the mic like Darth Vader. I mean, he I has reached new levels here. Was it? Coach said that you were. Uh, I can't tell. I'm gonna put my bib on. Are you able to tell, like, within a few seconds, uh, if that's a Louis Vuitton yeah, coat? Well, like the looks like the LV logo here. Coach said that you were angry going into this. Uh, one. I can't tell. I, I'm okay. not good enough. My, What's that cost? My, uh, Louis Vuitton that jacket. Yeah. If it was Louis, if it was Louis Vuitton, like my house, I would say that yeah. like twenty five hundred to three grand. Let's see, Louis a floor of that Vuitton jean jacket. Certain someone in my life loves Louis Vuitton, and I, oh, it's, okay, it's absurd. The first one that oh, you know what? I think I found it. Am I right? It's a men's denim here. Uh, oh, actually, this is a uh, no. This is a Coach Outlet store, uh, but they do have. Uh, <laughs> So if you want the knockoff version, <laughs> I can get it for this you for a couple a, hundred you bucks. You can get this in <laughs> Manhattan on 7th Avenue. I found a similar one here on the actual Louis Vuitton website. Uh, double-breasted pockets. It's going for about $2,000 uh, before shipping. But I think if you spend $2,000 on LouisVuitton.com, Shipping's I think free. they give you free shipping. In fact, sure. we could yeah. do the endorsement for them. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, here Dennis for Louis Kirk, Vuitton. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, guys, if you're looking for that uh, gift for that loved one, oh Louis Vuitton, shipping is free. All right, boys, let's jump into some statements here. It's a Statements Monday on Mackie and Judd. Uh, what a, what an active weekend. You guys have a Judd's Hockey Show hot off the presses on this Monday morning. We'll have a buffoon of the week later on in the show, but um, I'd love to do the honors here. A Timberwolves. Right, absolutely. Timber, Timberwolves win, okay. yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. So, okay. I'll just say, this is my statement. Kind of a long statement, but... The version of the Timberwolves that we get when Cat is dialed in uh-huh. and dialed in from a fashion standpoint, too. It's going to be really hard for any team in the Western Conference 
to beat that Wolves team in a seven-game series. I'm not saying they would be favorites over the Warriors, but when Cat is dialed in the way that he was in Game 4, it's really hard to beat the Wolves, period, and in a seven-game series. So to me, the question going forward here, and this is what like I feel like I've been fighting with people on Twitter for you know, the last two games, the question isn't how good the best version of the Timberwolves is. We've seen it. A hand, we, we've seen it against in the regular season. We've seen it, you know, probably once or twice in the postseason so far. I don't think I honestly don't think we saw it against the Clippers because Cat was basically taken out of that game. So, but but the question isn't what do the Wolves look like and how hard are they to beat when everything's clicking and when Cat is playing at his best. The question is how often are we going to get the best version of the Timberwolves? And so that's what I'm focused on going forward. If they can produce the best version of themselves. And the other thing, too, is like when Cat's been going, sometimes D'Lo disappears. So I don't know that we've even seen the best version of the Timberwolves in these playoffs and playing because I don't think all three stars have clicked at the same time. But when Cat commits two fouls or fewer, the Wolves are 11-3 and three this season. When Cat gets to the line the most often, so nine times or more, the Wolves are 13-3 and three in those games. So if he's engaged, if he's on the court, he's not in foul trouble, he's getting to the free throw line, and some of that's dependent on the refs, too. But the Wolves, it's not just a Memphis problem. Like, it's a Western Conference problem. How often can we see it is the question. So, basically, you're, you're saying if Cat plays like Cat can, which is a star, that, yes, teams are, are in trouble. Um, in fact, I'll play off that statement because it's basically along the same lines with this one. And that is on Saturday... Not always pretty for sure, but we saw the formula. That's the statement. We saw the formula. And and Phil, you're right. D'Lo did not play well, but J-Mac did. But here's the formula, too. And I think it starts with Cat for sure, but it trickles down. And and it's what they did on Saturday and what they did not do on Thursday in blowing two 20-plus point leads. The formula is this. It is a, it's not just a talent thing. In fact, it's probably not talent much at all. It is a mental thing, and it is being mentally tough, right? It's facing adversity and having people, and it starts with cat. Like, cat can't take a powder. But it it starts with being mentally tough and having people that can play through it. Uh, and I will say this. On Saturday, one of the most impressive things, and they do not win the game without this guy, was in the absence of D'Lo playing well. J-Mac was unbelievable. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, yeah, it's somewhat sort of uh, J-Mac, yeah. But, I mean, he was incredible. He hit big shots. And and the most important thing is Cat has to lead that. Like, Cat can't be, be like, I'm not going to play well, but, hey, Nas, pick it up. The Clippers game, it worked. But that can't be a playoff thing. So, yeah, I think that what we saw is it might not be pretty. It might not be uh, aesthetically pleasing. But. I think it's. I think it starts between the ears, Phil. And I think that you're right about Cat. And then can you have the rest of the team, or at least enough of the team, follow along? It trickles down where you have a mental toughness because Memphis has that. Memphis is tough, um, and so you need to counter them as much t- uh, talent wise. Which I think the Wolves are a more talented team. But if the Wolves melt down, it clearly doesn't matter. What matters is. Can they keep their composure? And Saturday, they did a pretty damn good job. Yeah. The Wolves have, like, such a wider variance of what they could do on any given night, right? Like, they could show up, 
you know, Cat could spaz out, get in foul trouble, and then Delo's not shooting, and then they get run out of a gym. But on the flip side, they could have everyone engaged. Ant can be knocking down three pointers, and then you can get some hot. There's some hot three point shooters off the bench. You know, Torian Prince and Malik Beasley. So I, I, I feel like the Wolves on any given night, like they could get run out of a gym by 25 points because of some of those things. But they could also just take a 26 point lead in the first half and be celebrating and stuff. So if they can, if they can tap into the best version of themselves more regularly, and, and some of that's a Finch thing, some of it's a Cat thing. A D'Lo thing. I mean, even if they're playing the Warriors in a seven-game series at some point, if they're tapping into the best version of the Timberwolves, they are a really, really tough beat. Uh, you and I have now you know, blabbed for probably an hour total on this game since game four. Uh, Declan, you once had Wolves in four, mm-hmm. and then you were out completely, mm-hmm. and then you and I were very offended by Cat's behavior for a couple days there. So, all right, so the floor is yours. Now. So, it's actually funny because uh, my, my statement is literally, this should be Wolves in five. Like, the, my, my statement is, this oh! should be, should be Wolves in five, dude. That's so, true. Game yeah. three, they have the two 25 and plus point leads. They blew both of them. And I get it, right? Like, in game four, it's probably, d- like, the result in how they played in game four was dependent on how they blew the lead in Game 3. So it's hard for me to assume that the way they played in Game 4 and the result was unautomatic if they had won Game 3. Does that does that all make sense? Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to assume that. But in Games 3 and 4, the Wolves have been the better team. And we talk about Cat not really showing up in, in big moments. John Morant in Games 3 and 4, you have put the clamps down on him. He shot 29% in the last two games. You have held the best player... On the court in check the last two games. You had a 25-point lead in Game 3 that you absolutely squandered. You're still not being that great of a fourth-quarter team in general. The Grizzlies still outscored Minnesota in the fourth quarter in in the Game 4 win for them, which is still good for the Grizzlies, but still the Wolves have to figure out a way to close out games more. But in general, this should not be, and I know the the Wolves fans are chanting Wolves in 6 at the end of Game 4, but this should be Wolves in five, dude. They should be going into Memphis right now with a chance to win the series. And it's 2-2. It's three games left. It's a whole new series right now. But just with that collapsing game three, it still hasn't. I still haven't gotten over it. Because this should be wrapping up right now in Memphis with the Wolves up 3-1. to one. It's so hard because before the series, if you would have said, hey, you don't know how the first four games are going to play out, but it's going to be 2-2 two to two going into Memphis for game five. How would you feel about that? I think all of us would be like, ah, we'll yes, yeah. please. <laughs> but it's sort of, but to your point, it's sort of the way that it happened and the way that the way that they blew those two leads. But listen, they deserve so much credit for the way that they bounced back. I mean, think about coming back two days later after that debacle, the way that they probably felt about each other. Like, there's probably some finger pointing. It, it wasn't. I'm, I guarantee it wasn't all kumbaya. I mean, Johnny Krasinski had the athletic article. Uh, I think it was even. No, I think it was the, it was yesterday morning. It came out, and uh, and Towns apparently was unpleasant to be around behind the scenes. He and now whether it was other people's fault that he only got four shots off in game three, and like I I think there should be a little bit more inward looking and you know personal responsibility and accountability. But like he was apparently telling teammates and coaches, I need to get the ball more often. You need to stop jacking up shots, guards, Beverly and. Beasley, Russell. And Beasley didn't even shoot in game Dude, four. What, yeah. what was that conversation like? That was weird. Just, I'm done. 
So he played 11, 12 minutes, did not take a shot yesterday or two days ago. Well, I found it weird, too. I don't know if um, you guys were what I had the Wolves feed on for game four, and they interviewed, I think it was Leah B. Olsen, interviewed Pat Bev like right after the game ended, and her first question wasn't like, oh, what a, what a great win or an individual performance. She's like, what did you think about Cat tonight? And and his first response was, well, he's paid like that. He, he better be making those shots. Like, it, was, it wasn't, yeah. it didn't seem like an endearing comp. It was kind of like, yeah. Well, he's supposed to be doing this, so like, glad he finally did it. It was the way it kind of came off of. Yeah, well, one of the things I yeah. said in our, you know, and we listen, we put a prerequisite or, or, or like a pre-warning on that vent line after game three and said, this is the most emotional that I have ever been. I'm going to say some things that I won't be able to take back. But one of the things I said was if I was his coworker after game three and also game two and the Clippers game, because he didn't show up for any of those, my opinion of him would have, taking a nosedive and I'm, I'm sure like Pat Beverly sometimes you can read too much into things but that answer that Declan's referring to I'm sure he spent 48 hours looking over there like dude what are you doing yeah get it together you're the highest paid player on this team you're a freaking unicorn right. why are you acting like this and then his answer to Leah B. Olson was yeah he's paid like this it's, we shouldn't be celebrating it this is what this is what should be the norm right cat takes himself out of games. So, like, I, I think it's fraudulent to say, well, it's all the Wolves' fault. It's all Finchie's fault that he didn't get the ball more. Uh, yeah, that's a discussion for sure. But he takes himself out, too. So, so like, this whole thing of I didn't get the ball. Dude, you ain't, you ain't Jordan. You ain't Kobe. Like, if you demanded it and, like, and acted like a responsible adult on the floor consistently, different conversation, right? The thing, too, that I'll say, Dex, is this. I don't think game four plays out like it did if game three plays out like it was. Right. So, like, I think Carl Carl's not Carl does not come up with game four if things go well in game three. Like, and that's, to, to Phil's point, I think that's the great point, is who are we going to get next game? Because I don't think it's a given that it, now, okay, now Cat, now Cat's all in, right? I think we, it's a wait and see. Listen, if, if he used, and we keep saying game four, three as if it's this isolated thing it, it wasn't an isolated thing because right. the Clippers game was the same thing in terms of behavior and immaturity and just getting swallowed up by the moment and whatever uh, but if he did learn from game three and if it was something that has now whether you want to call it rage or anger if it has vaulted him to this new level okay I've gotten a taste of what this is like I've talked to Kevin Garnett he's still in touch with Kevin Garnett right and if those guys have had a conversation any time in the last 72 hours, I'm sure KG is saying, dude, lock it in. Lock it in. The referees don't matter. The flailing, like, dude, you just need to get your ass. Just go dominate, right? And so I'll, one more thought on Cat here. Because, again, he was brilliant in game four. If, if, he can, if he can take what he learned and get to a new level, it's a game changer for this franchise. But we will see in game five and game six. But my, my last Cat statement is, Criticizing a player does not equal hating a player. Telling the truth about a player doesn't equal hating a player. And I think there's just a lot of misperceptions about if you if you criticize a player, then you're bailing on the team or you're not a good fan or whatever it is. I would argue that just blindly supporting and leaning into everything kumbaya without questioning, but like I would argue that that's being a worse fan than objectively critiquing things. You know, the the truth is, as brilliant as Cat was in Game 4, he's been mostly atrocious in three of the Wolves' five playoff and play-in games. 
And the truth is his petulant and immature behavior has been a huge hindrance to the Timberwolves so far during the playoffs and playing. Now, despite that, they found a way to win, you know, uh, the Clippers game. They found a way to win. Was it? Well, I guess in the two games he disappeared against Memphis, they've lost both those games. But my point is the responsibility doesn't fall with media to ignore the bad and pretend like it's not there. The responsibility falls on towns to change it, to evolve, to get better, to get to the next level, to be more mature. And for one game, he was, and he deserves credit for that. I'm excited for game five. Mm-hmm. Let's get it, baby. Mm-hmm. Hold, on Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's do it. There's towel. There's towel for you. Let's rock and roll. Wolves towel. Oh. 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 <laughs> All right. There you go. Wolves towel. All right. <laughs> okay. My next statement. Do not underestimate the tone setter. Do not underestimate the tone setter. Who is that? I'll tell you who that is. 20-year-old Aunt Edwards, who suffered what appeared to look like a serious knee non-contact injury in the first quarter on Saturday to the point of where two guys from, I guess, the training staff or the security staff had to help him off the floor, and it looked bad. And you thought to yourself, oh, my God, he's not coming back. He not only came back to a thunderous applause from the liquored-up crowd, God bless him, (laughs) but he then checked back in, and he then checked back in and played well. I don't think we should, like, cat bouncing back is great. There's a lot of, I mean, that that game was filled with storylines from the, the... Chicken person again trying to get on the floor. All those things. Tons of storylines. But dude, that security guard got through the line like Aaron freaking well, Donald and yeah. blew that play up. And he what an that well, was the play of the night he, by the security guard. He eyeballed guard. that though. Yeah, he was. He, how long was in. was he watching that for? About an hour? Do you think he's just looking? No, over she there. wasn't there at tip off. I've got, gone back and looked. So <laughs> so her and her friend he weren't broke down there. The film. <laughs> Somebody tweeted a picture of the tip off, and so I isolated in. And there's two guys behind Glenn and Becky. So I don't know when they got replaced or or the Chicken Hawk people came in, but the Chicken Hawk defense was very good. It was very Trey Waynes-like mm. in, in the sense that he eyeballed her. It was third and 15. Trey Waynes? Hold on a second. Antoine Winfield. No, no, no. Here's why. Because Trey Waynes, what Trey Waynes wasn't given – credit for was he gave up receptions but not yards he tackled well he eyeballs her but he doesn't first step but but he doesn't but but he doesn't tackle her at the line of scrimmage she gets by like she's yeah by. she got she got some yak yeah, she got yeah. some yak so yeah, it's okay. third and fi- right. it's third and third and 15 and clint kubiak dialed up a nine yard pass play well she caught the ball and she got you know she got 11 but she didn't get 15 well, like, come for the Carl Anthony Towns takes and stay for Judd comparing the protester lady to uh, or the security guard to Trey Waynes. It was Trey Waynes, <laughs> but he, but I mean, it was a great play. Don't get me wrong, but he gave up. The, he gave up a little bit of yak, but not a first down. Dude, you wait for that moment your entire security guard career. <laughs> oh, you mean, God, I mean, how so many ga- how many games do you sit there and oh, nothing happens it. and you get your back turned to the game? You know, it's right. like. Like how many yeah, times do you sit there? Because you're like you sit there for a hundred games and nothing oh, happens. And this guy, this this guy was ready for his one moment. It's one shining moment. It's one shining moment. You wait. That Always be ready. Right. The, pro- the protester stands up. 
It's your oh, one shining moment. Anyway, okay, so the statement was, oh, do yeah. not underestimate the tone setter. Aunt Edwards returning to that game and, and contributing and at 20 and playing like that kid did, that's adversity right there. Yeah, like, It looks to me like he's hurt. It looks to me like he's always got a pair of chill boys on, you know, just cool, calm, yes. and collected. Great point. Just n- never feels overwhelmed by the moment. What's one word to describe how chill boys are making you guys feel today? Dex, locked in. Babe. I'm locked in. Just like that security mm-hmm. guard was locked in, like he was Trey Wayne's, I guess, uh, uh, slapping that person. Wayne, the, I think that was a disrespect. He was, like no. he was Antoine, Antoine Winfield, Winfield, man. He was Antoine Winfield. Yeah. Trey yeah, Wayne's was he, an he underrated tackler. Yeah. Okay. Gave up a lot of catches. I know, but I mean, this guy didn't get her at the line of scrimmage. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't go to Antoine. No, she was still. In, I mean, technically, she, wasn't she still in the backfield? Yeah, she, she didn't was like get in the to the zone. She didn't yeah. even yeah. get to where she was trying to go. I'm, I don't know where she was trying. The to line go. of scrimmage was her. Free throw seat. Line? He's eyeballing her. Winfield would have got. Winfield would have cut it off before it happened. All right. This is he would have gotten her before she, she, was she crossed the over the. Yeah, she's on the floor. He can't get. That's not Winfield. Uh, chill boys are making me feel pretty dialed today. Dialed. Dialed. Yeah. I like it. Judd? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Refreshed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's because they're the most comfortable underwear you're going to find. Bamboo fabric. You got the, I've got the athletic fit on right now. Me too. Just, uh, just, uh, it's making my morning so far today. Uh, you can find them online. They're a Minnesota based company. You can find them online at chillboys.com. They care about one thing, your comfort. Tell them score North and or purple daily sent you when you uh, buy your first pair or two or ten. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Dennis Kirk. It's riding season. Oh, it's a little chilly in the Twin Cities, but, like, soon it'll be right. I saw they were de-icing planes this morning at MSP. It's like it's almost May. I had to de- de-ice my car this morning. It's ridiculous. I had frost on my windshield. Wow. I had to yeah. scrape it. But soon enough, you know, April showers and April frost will bring May flowers, I guess. But Dennis Kirk has been a partner of ours from the very start at Score North almost uh, over three years now. And they offer for you uh, riders out there, whether it's a Harley, Metro Cruiser, sport bike, they offer free shipping on orders over $89. They have 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, and they offer same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. Ride more, wait less at DennisKirk.com. Declan. All right. Piggybacking off Judd's statement that Anthony Edwards is the tone setter, my statement is we're going to see Anthony Edwards take over another game here in this series. So mm-hmm. what's what's remarkable is through four games, Write Edwards has been unbelievable. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Come on, bring it on. Write it down. You like money with the mouth is. He will Write drop a forty Wait, burger between now and the end of the series. Say it. Oh, well, no, you got to say Write it. This down. Write this down. This is on the record. Anthony on the record. Edwards will drop a forty burger. Can I put a caveat too on this? Or or will hit a game winning shot that is yes. like the decisive shot to win the game. Can we say uh, how do we how do like I... like 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 inside of ten seconds or something? Yeah, like I want it to be the last. Sh- it's the game winning. Sh- it's the game winning shot. Like a, like like a okay. buzzer beater. But yeah, in, well, inside ten seconds. Inside inside a minute in case okay. somehow they go scoreless. So like, we'll we'll, de- we'll we'll keep it loose and we'll determine. Right, right, write right, it down. Shot. I'm just making sure I have it before I, I like get back it. to my point. Um, okay. So four in four games for Edwards so far, he's averaging 24 points. He's shooting 48 percent from the floor, 42 percent from three. 86% from the free throw line, grabbing boards, getting assists, getting blocks. And yet, unfortunately, sometimes this happens. We're talking about Cat because Cat is, is, is the kind of, unfortunately, the star of the show for the right and the wrong reasons so far in this series. Edwards has been unbelievable. John Morant has been held in check. We, when we were doing the pecking order of who are the best players in the court, okay, 
John Morant's probably the best player, but then the Wolves had the next two, right, in Towns and Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, through four games, in my opinion, has statistically been the best player in this series. And through five, six, seven here, the next three games, I think he's going to take things over again and deliver a iconic moment, dude. He's 20 years old, and he doesn't he's not phased at all by the big no. bright lights in the playoffs. You're right. He looks very comfortable, right? V- very comfortable in the flow of the offense, very comfortable defensively even. I, just comfortable in his own skin for a 20-year-old. Incredible. And, you know, the, the post-game press conferences, how many, how many times in NBA history do you go back? I mean, Kobe was pretty cool, calm, collected at 20, but do you see a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid at a press conference and they're just you know, kind of quiet or, you know, scared of their own shadow? Or Like, I remember Byron Buxton. Oh, yeah. When he was drafted in 18, 19, 20 and, like, basically wouldn't speak. And now he's gregarious because he's, well, we'll get to those statements shortly. But uh, I just, like, if, if if this is what Ant is now, what's he going to be like in three years, in five years? Isn't that crazy to think about? So Ant, I think, makes it worse on Cat in the sense that, that we see Ant and how Ant at 20 handles himself on the court and off and, and rightfully so say, Carl, look at that. Why ain't you doing that? Like, just look at how the moment, to Dex's point, for Ant never feels too big. It doesn't mean he doesn't fail at times. But, you know, with Cat, the meltdowns to me are, are like it's becoming too much, right? The whining and the meltdowns and the pouting and the stopping around. The more, and I mean, this is genius. The more adversity, I think, that is thrown in Ant's face, the more he gets that just sort of bleep-eating grin that you love. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, man, let's let's see. Um, he loves it, man. And yeah. and I will say this uh, for Ja and, and Ant. And I don't think, the more I watch Ja, this is not to say he's not an extreme talent, but I think what makes Ja Ja is the toughness, too. Like, that kid goes to the rim and gets the you know what, knocked out out of him, and he goes down, and sometimes he stays down, but then he gets up and does his thing. Um, And when you watch the mental wiring of Morant and Ant, okay, that to me is what a true professional is because that ain't easy. And this this might sound crazy to some fans, especially Memphis fans, because Ja has just burst on the scene at a greater level. I would rather have Ant for the next 10 years than Ja. Yes. I think like give give me the freight train football body. Yes, I mean, yes. Ja is Ja's a small guy by NBA standards, hitting the floor, what 10, 15 times a night, going into the trees. I mean, he scores in the paint. That's his game. You know, think about like Steph Curry's game is mostly a perimeter game, and so it's aging into its age thirty two, thirty three season pretty gracefully. Do I think John Morant's going to be a viable star NBA player when he's 32, 33 playing this way? Probably not. Mm-mm. He's, you know, Allen Iverson was kind of the same way, just, you know, going into the trees and stuff, but he's going to be super fun to watch for the next five or six years. And we'll see how much damage he can do. Give me Anthony Edwards for eight to 10 years over Ja. I don't even think that is slightly controversial. Mm-mm. I think it is a, if of both of these teams, if you told me you can have one guy, take one off both teams. Or, or one from the entire, in the entirety of both rosters. It's Ant. It's not Cat. Long term. It's not Ja. And he's not. And on any given night, right now, he could be the best player. I think, like overall, he's probably the third or fourth best player, like just in totality. But he's climbing, and he's and he's yes. showing up in these games, yes. which is awesome. Yes. Uh, all right, I got one more Wolves one for you guys here. The Timberwolves 
have been one of the best hustle teams in the playoffs so far. So I did a little diving into NBA.com's uh, playoff stat database. The Timberwolves, so far in the postseason, are first in loose balls recovered. So there's a little 50-50, you know, uh, someone's got to dive on the floor and grab it. They're second in deflections per game defensively. They're second in contested shots per game defensively. Mm-hmm. And they're third in charges drawn per game, which there's not that many. It's like two a game. But uh, these are all, and you now this series is a little scatterbrained in that it's it's ball movement, it's guys sort of frenetically going up and down the court. So there might be more opportunities for these things. But I love it. I mean, this is a testament to Jared Vanderbilt, to Pat Beverly, to Jaden McDaniels. They're just sort of disruptive. They get hands in lanes and they dive on the floor. And uh, this is a big part of the reason why why it's a two two series and could be three one right now. Absolutely, yeah. They they work hard, and when they're tough. Mentally, too, it's perfect. I got one more. Wolves. I, I got to wipe some of the Wolves gravy with my Wolves bib off before I, get, I give you it. All right. Here's my final statement. You brought it. We need to put our hands together for Timberwolves fans because you poor people have been saying, oh, you're not good basketball fans. We're the state of hockey. You're, oh, oh no, you're not. No, you don't. No, no, no. You know what? These people have been provided for the most part since 2004 garbage. And did they bail? Probably. Should they have? Absolutely. Games three and four in Target Center were electric. Electric. Fantastic. Sold out. No tarps. Absolutely magnificent. That is what these basketball fans in this town will bring you if you give them a product. And this team now has, uh, but I think that we need to put our hands together for these people who provided an environment that was second to none, in my opinion. You did seriously. That's awesome to watch. It gives you chills to see like how these people respond when they're given something to respond to. Yeah, and you know, uh, going going back to that game three for a second too. I think there we all know what it feels like the last twenty years that nervous Minnesota sports energy. Mm-hmm. You, you sense it at Twins playoff games all the time. You can feel it at certain Vikings games where you're excited to be there and this is great, but like, oh my god, the opposing team is coming back, or the Yankees just hit a two run homer and it just it, it gets a little bit quiet. It was the opposite effect, and you were in the arena for that you know series of blown leads, but. They had a 26-point lead that was being blown in the first half and then a 25-point lead that was blown and they lost the game. And while those leads were being blown, the fans didn't curl into a shell and, uh-huh. oh, my God, it's nervous. Nope. They were literally, like, trying to carry the Timberwolves, right? It was, let's go, Wolves. Refs, you suck. Like, I I, I love that fans didn't fall into the same trap that, yeah. You know, and I get it. There's a generation or two of Minnesota sports fans. All you know is <laughs> getting that thwopped upside the head, so... Yeah, dude, the fans were great awesome. in those two games and guaranteed another one. Either oh, to fr- clinch or on a Friday game night, seven. too. On a Friday Friday's going to be a big night, man. We got the second round of the draft. We got, got Timberwolves, got, you know, the, the, the first place twins might still mm-hmm. be in first place on Friday night. What? The what Ameri- are you laughing the at? The American League Central. No crap on that. Okay, the well, American League uh, Central. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to another round of statements here. Since I feel like Judd's about to to crap on a brilliant weekend for the Twins, but first let's hear from Rocco Baldelli here, Dex. Right now, there's no better player in in the world than him. 
I just I think he's absolutely the best player in the world when he is uh, when he's out there running around doing his thing. And um, when you're talking about you know a guy that's just just demolishing the baseball um, every day when he shows up uh, and is absolutely one of the top handful of defenders in the world as well. I love in the world because like in in the league is usually what people say about that, but it's the best league in the world. So really you are in the world. So (laughs) Rocco stole the statement there. It's Byron Buxton is the best player in the major leagues. That's my statement. I, I, I agree with Rocco which means he's the best player in the world. So since the beginning, and there's a lot of people like, well, no, I'm not even, no, he's not Mike Trout, this, right? So since the beginning of 2020, Byron Buxton leads the major leagues in slugging percentage by far, by the way. Like, there's not a close second. He is the most powerful hitter in baseball since the beginning of 2020. And he ranks fifth in OPS. The only players above him in the OPS rankings, it's on-base plus slugging, are Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Ronald Acuna, and Buxton, if you add defense into the mix, is a far superior defensive player than those other four guys. So maybe there's maybe he's slightly below those guys in overall offense, like getting on base and all that stuff. But when you add the center field defense in, he's better. So the, really the only question is playing time. If, if he can stay on the field, he'll prove it this season. But per 162 games, and I understand that is an, an unattainable number for Byron Buxton, but per 162 games, he's averaging since 2020. 56 home runs, 116 runs scored, 103 RBIs, and 20 stolen bases, and he's the best defensive center fielder in the game. And those are all statements of fact. Those are all statements of fact. He is the biggest. If people wanted to debate the statement that he is the best player in the world, what's not not debatable is he is the biggest difference maker. So, like, we could, you know, do, oh, well, Trout's really good, too. Yeah, that's very, very true. But nobody makes as big of difference because nobody brings as many different qualities as Buxton. You might I don't say think that's he's debatable. the most valuable player. Mm. Sounds, like, sounds like that's what you're trying to say there. Um, the biggest difference maker, meaning that if you take him away, he yes. has so much value that the team has trouble functioning. If you, if and when you add him back in, it. he brings so much mm. value that the team wins games. If you defined, if you defined it, if you defined that as the voting parameters, he is the MVP. That's absolutely true. In fact, play the sounder because I, I want to uh, dovetail off of what Phil said too. Then, so. In light of what Rocco said, in light of what Phil Mackey said, to sort of explain, extrapolate on the statement, my statement is this. Not pay the man, because you did. Play the man. Play the man. And what I mean is this. So Buxton got hurt in Boston, and he hurt his knee. He tweaked it. It was obviously sore. And you know what? To be very clear, the next day he didn't play, and I agree with that. That's fine. Like, his knee was sore. But he wasn't ILed. He wasn't injured. He was hurting. You are, as a pro athlete, usually hurting. That's what happens. You play a... Aching. A, yeah. Aching. But, I mean, something hurts. Like, there's a difference okay. between I'm injured and, oh, my knee hurts a little bit. So, Byron Buxton, if he needs to be ILed, and I just want to be very, very clear in saying this. I've never said he's soft, okay? So I don't think him not playing is a typical Buxton. He can't take the pain. 
I think Byron Buxton suffered a ton of fluky injuries, some that he's brought on himself, some he hasn't. But this is not an indictment or a questioning of Buxton Buxton's toughness. But if he needs to be IL'd, that is a totally separate thing. And it happens, and it's unfortunate, and I get that. But if he is aching, as Phil just said, or hurting a bit, these we're going to get him off his feet for four or five days. I mean, we just have to. Is not an option, in my opinion, because he is so important to this team. This team is an okay team when he d- does not play. It might not be okay, but it's it's just a collection. It's a, It's all right. When he plays... He's a difference maker. They are a good team. They become dangerous. They are rarely out of games because of what he can potentially bring, because of plays that he can make, okay? So if Byron Buxton can play, he needs to play. And when Rocco or whomever, and just to be just to be very, very transparent about this, we rip on Baldelli a lot. I'm not sure it's always Rocco. I mean, he gets a lot of people in his ear telling him— well, so- Okay, so so when when Buxton doesn't play for, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to piece together the timeline here. So he went out at Boston. Yep, and then he missed almost a week. Yes. with right, it was like five, four or five games or something in like six days or whatever it was. Yeah, he came back as a DH in Kansas City, but then he but then they sat him the first White Sox game on Friday completely. He didn't DH yes. or anything, and then he played. Then he played Saturday uh, and Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, and was great. So I guess I guess my my question here is, when he goes down against Boston, and mm-hmm. it looks like, oh my God, he tore his ACL, like he you know he's he slams the dirt, right. but then they do an MRI and it comes back no structural damage. There's just I don't know he feels some discomfort or maybe he had some discomfort going into the game. Right. What's the process then? Because this is where I have a hard time. Like how okay does it? So there's no structural damage, but it's kind of sore. So does he need to sit for a week then? I, I don't like I don't know what to do with that. I do. Ideally, he he would play, but I also like. I have a hard. I, I I agree with what you're saying that like he should play, and you know what? Here's the compromise. His bat is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. His off day should be a DH day, unless there's like a structural thing that prevents him from being on the active roster. Like if he's not on the IL, yes, I think there's maybe three days all season where you should give him like a full breather. Right. Otherwise, if you want to get him off his feet and not play center field and stand out there for three hours, that's totally cool. But at the very least, his off day should be a DH day. Is well, that, a, that seems like a fair compromise. It's, inc- it's incredibly fair. And he's it, not even running in. He's trotting around the bases every time he gets a hit because he's ridiculous. And that's the thing. It used to be, and look, his defense is still superior. So, But it used to be his bat was okay. If he got on base, it was great. But his defense was absolutely paramount, right? So there was a time where you probably said, well, if he can't play center, you know, he probably should sit, I guess, okay? Those days are gone. You're right, Phil. His bat is so good now that he needs to play. And the day after he got hurt or it hurt in Boston, I totally get he didn't play. I totally get that. But I would love – so the next time that this takes place and he tweaks something and they're like, ah, dude, you're out for a week. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to IL you, but you ain't playing. Perhaps I can do this, but I want a reporter to get to him because the locker room is open again and say, can you play? Because if he's like, you know what? I probably shouldn't be playing then because I'm never going to call him soft. I don't think he's soft. I just don't. Uh, So in fairness to Buxton, 
What I would like to know is, and what I would have liked somebody to ask ask him during the stint where he wasn't playing was, can you play? Because if he's like, yeah, I could play, then he's got to play. Let's quit treating him with kid gloves unless he's really hurt or injured. I, I'm teetering on whether I should uh, make a comment or two about. I don't think what I just said is out of line. I don't think what I just said is no, out of line. I do love that this conversation spilled into a fight between Judd and Twins bloggers on Twitter yesterday. Oh, that yeah. was my favorite Saturday. thing. Judd just Saturday, sorry. Mm-hmm. Judd just sparring with Twins bloggers. Mm-hmm. I love I love it. Well, in this case, they're just wrong. <laughs> they're just wrong. Like, there's times I, I tolerate it, but I've been covering sports oh, for a man. long time, and so is Phil. And, like, there is a – I know when guys are soft. Like, part of the reason why Towns takes heat is because at times he's super soft. I've never accused Buxton of of that. So I have a leg to stand on in the beginning of my debate because I know how Buxton's wired. Yeah. Careful, though. You might wind up in the Bad Takes Hall of Fame. Yeah. Keep arguing with twins bloggers. We should should draft our our Bad Takes Hall of Fame. I should teach a class. Wow. I love the idea. Actually, you know what we should do? We do have the the write-that-down historical archive like oh we, we should do, yeah. we should almost put together like the 10 worst predictions ever made packing order on the Mackey and judd yeah off season Ooh. that's an off-season project right there i think uh i think we might have to i think declan just uh, executive producer right there <laughs> look at that executive producer drinks a couple cocktails on the weekend and comes back with a bunch of great ideas oh boy I, I got at friday night target field uh drinking surly's i wasn't even texting judd was texting me no no responses i was like nope i am i'm putting the phone away i'm enjoying this <laughs> yeah, crap text this, this, this crap shoot of a baseball game scoring runs like it's little league errors wow, and i was man. like nope i'm enjoying my my surly's my 15 they got the discount figured out i did i had an issue with with uh the discount being applied through the through the readers to get the discount for season ticket holders, you have to use the Twins Pay now. Like you have to, you have to set up your card like through their app, or yes, through their app, and you have to load in your card, and then it's automatically applied once it scans your card. So it used to be okay, and, and it's fine, honestly. Now it's a one stop shop, and I kind of understand it. But the first series of the year, it was a, it wasn't working. It was like fifty percent on on working at at uh, mostly alcohol stands. On food stands, They're charging no you double, actually, for yeah. beers. It was crazy. Exactly. And I, I want this 15% <laughs> off. You know, if I drink seven of them, one of them becomes free. So, like, I, I, I want to use this discount. So it worked. It worked. I'm glad it worked. I had a great time. You know, something, but like, some of these, like, if you buy, you know, nine of these, like, I yesterday or, or sometime, I think it was Saturday, we ordered dinner through, one. I won't say which app it is, but, like, one of the food delivery apps. And at the bottom of the screen, it said, spend eight more dollars or spend, you know, $8.50 more and you save $8. And I was like, what? <laughs> so if I wait, okay, so I could stop now and just order or I could spend eight more dollars and get $8 off. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's weird. So, those... so I guess technically maybe, maybe do it. So I guess I would get an $8 thing for free or, I, but then you're paying like an extra right. tip. I don't know. You know right. what? Just... I enjoy driving places to get stuff sometimes, okay? Okay. So, All like, right. Dawn, Dawn does that. She, like, orders groceries, which in a pinch is awesome. But you know what? Sometimes I want to go to Cub and listen to the music and be left alone oh. and just shop. Wait, like, like listen to your own music on headphones no. or listen to the music that Cub is pumping into the their Cub, speakers? The Cub tunes. What? They're actually pretty good sometimes. You like the Muzak at Cub Foods? Rainbow used to have the best. <laughs> Rainbow had, had had a great collection. 
of I loved it. Shut here All right, where, where I will defend you is I'll tell you because you and I used to shop at the same Cub Foods, and yes. they would put a Yacht Rock playlist on there, yes, like have, like an easy, smooth oh listening playlist from the late seventies, <laughs> early eighties, and old Macadac could get into that too. Shopping for produce, little little Kenny Loggins, Michael McDonald. I was yeah. shopping Saturday and singing. Hello. I'll, I'll take a chicken breast. You know why? Because I don't care what people think. Yeah. Pound to him. Yeah. <laughs> no. God. No, I don't like to talk to people. All right. I just sing. Back to my actual statement. I'm lost in love. And... Oh, sorry. Uh, of, of, Your air of, supply. Of, wow. of, uh, air supply. of playing the man that was Byron Buxton. I'll go on the same vein with a different one. Okay. Play the man, as in play Carlos Correa. So in the bottom of the night, <laughs> oh, like you guys, this whole show is going to be you guys bitching about the Twins' <laughs> offense. Yes, no, he's right about this. This is this he's taken two days off in the first two weeks. This is absurd. <laughs> he's right. He's your go, superstar yes, player. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. Who's coming up in the bottom of the ninth? And you have runners at first and second. Okay. Well, Gilbert yeah. Celestino is coming up to the plate, and behind him is yeah, he Nick hit that ball hard, Gordon. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, he li- yeah, he lined out the center. Great. I'm glad he lined out the center. Oh. Meanwhile, Correa is sitting on the bench. And they wanted to give him the true off day. Even though, by the way, today, Monday, April 25th, is an off day for the Twins. Provis and Gladden were talking about it on the broadcast, which you can brilliantly sync up to the TV broadcast on LBTV.com. Shameless plug for that. And what, what they were discussing was, why aren't they playing him? Like, this would be the perfect time, or why aren't they pinch hitting him? This would be the perfect time to do it. Yep. And both Provis and Gladden kind of hinted at, hey, you know, this is... This is kind of similar to how they handled Josh Donaldson last year. Like, we're going to give him a true well, off That's day. a totally different player. Right. Like, Josh Donaldson's you. calves are about to explode on every step. <laughs> he right? was so. 35 and having calf issues. Carlos Correa is, what, 29 years old? And also, just consistently, one of the best players in baseball. He's, <laughs> he's seriously so sound. And I know he's off to a, a poor start here in the first 20 games, no. uh, 16 games no, of the season. No, don't defend it. But no. do I, do I right. trust... Carlos Correa batting under Mendoza line go, over Dex, Gilbert go, Celestino go, Dex, and Nick Gordon. Go, Dex, go. What are we doing? You win the game right there. You win the game right there. Play the man. Play him. Standing Just ovation. Standing Just ovation. You gotta play Carlos Correa. Correa. Play He's Byron Buxton. The benching, you Don't get his knees so that's I mean, so he, so, yeah, right. so so Carlos has had two full off days, and the Twins <laughs> themselves have had had some off days too. So he's probably had like four or five off days. I don't, know. I just think it's hilarious. The Twins just swept the White Sox. They're back to eight and eight. They're first place in the Central, and you guys, your first two statements are just bitching about. And off what was days. the bunt? Yes. With the with the poor slappy catcher, yeah, a Goody or whatever that I, I was like, who the Godoy? What the who the who hell is this guy? Uh, Godoy, right? Godoy, Godoy, yeah, yeah. They just picked. Did they? No Godoy. They, did they He's claim him from another team or was? Yeah, he, he was a waiver claim. Yeah, I think, like from the second. Giants. Yeah, and then I think they cut yeah. him and then they brought him. I don't know, but anyway, I, I did, yeah. Dex is right, Phil. I, I was at that game. I was. You play the man. Play you know man. our latest waiver claim here mm-hmm. is spiral light candles. Oh yeah, Mother's Day is around the corner mm-hmm. here. You may have an anniversary or something. Uh, we have we have stumbled into a great gift, guys. Listen up. But this it is a waiver claim that's going to be a home run every time. You see, this isn't going to be. Uh, we got a pinch hit for this one. This is going to be a home run with your wife, 
with mom, as Phil just said, Mom's Day, May 8th, and you're thinking to yourself, I got to get something. What am I going to get? I don't, you know, I'll get a card, but I don't want to get some cliche thing, and I got to get something. Spiral Light Candles has the answer for you. Listen, these things make the entire house, these candles smell terrific. They burn down in a spiral fashion, hence Spiral Light fa- candles and then and then they form another candle so it's like two candles within one she will absolutely love it and now you're thinking well that's got to be pricey though judd i mean if they're that cool uh-uh-uh prices start at 14 dollars. and orders over 50 dollars or more ship for free visit spiral light candles spirallightcandles.com see how they work and see how simple it can be to put a big smile for mother's day on your wife's face or your mom's face it's the perfect gift spirallightcandles.com all right next statement if the Cy Young voting happened today oh god the runaway favorite in the American League <laughs> would be a man who's 3-0 and in his first three starts, only one run and 11 base runners allowed in 15 innings, Dylan Bundy. And Judd still hasn't apologized for doubting him. June. He kind of reminds me legitimately of, of Phil Hughes before the thoracic outlet syndrome where he was a, formerly a top prospect, hadn't quite clicked yet, good control, not going to blow you away, comes in and just, Performs at his best with the Twins. He's been very good Former so far. Former top prospect, blossoming late in his career. Been very good so far. Stop it. Another great start. He's on pace to go 32-0 and 0 with an ERA under one so far this season. Take that, Bob Gibson. Denny McLean. Mm-hmm. You guys thought you were so good. Drysdale, Colfax, uh-uh, Dylan Bundy. All right, so Judd is waiting June. until June to apologize to Dylan Bundy, who's been the Twins' best starting pitcher so far. Hey, you know what? Good. Years. I'm glad sure. he's been good. Some some could say that for all we know, Dylan Bundy, a big fan of M and J, regular listener, motivated beyond belief right now by the words of Judd Zolgit. Sports Dad's done it again, lighting <laughs> a fire. Lighting well, I know. A fire I, motiva- below. I motivated Towns for Game Four, so why I can't know you, you motivate Dylan Bundy. I know no. you did. He didn't listen mm-hmm. to Barkley. Didn't matter what he said. Shaq, who cares what Shaq said? Shaq's Phil Mackey. Yeah. Phil Mackey got him. I'm more relatable. You know, I'm younger than Shaq. So. You are. Yeah. All right, back to Judd here. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I will take the ball. I always know the order. I never get and it. Run, so. And run with it. Actually, you're pretty good about this one. It's right that down where it really goes off the rails. Um. All right. Make it stop. Make it stop. Miguel Sano. One for four again yesterday. 083. Last June. He raised, he's raised his batting average. I know he has. From 71 yeah. to 083. I know he has. Uh, but last year in June, the, the decision, at least for a fairly extended period of time in the summer, was made that they were going to platoon him. Okay. So it's been done before. It's not without precedent. Um, as Declan said, I believe, last week, and he's exactly right, this guy's become, for the most part, a butcher at first base. He made a play and received, rightfully so, a throwing error on an underhand lob, basically, to Chris Archer yesterday. Um, this thing's a complete mess. Make it stop. Miguel Sano cannot play every day at this point. And I know you're waiting for him to do the proverbial, he'll get hot at some point. You know what, though? We don't need to see this on an everyday basis. He has become a liability at first base and at the plate. It's just, for the most part, he's without a clue. 
It's hard. It's hard to watch as a human being. Yeah. I'm, I'm appealing to the twins. Please make it stop. I've seen some conflicting, you know, because there are some people that are bringing like, well, if you look at his underlying stat, well, if you look at anyone's underlying stats that has performed in the past, like yeah. he's not an 083 hitter, but um, I, I'm digging in here on Fangrass. His hard hit rate so far this year is the lowest of his career. Yes. He's a 31% hard hit rate. His uh, Last year he was 45. The previous two years he was around 50%. And uh, his line drive rate is only 18%. So he's he's what's happening is he's hitting a lot of pop-ups. It's not striking out quite as often. But even that, like he was one of the five most prolific strikeout hitters in the history of baseball percentage-wise going into the season. So he's lowered that percentage slightly, but he's still one of the biggest strikeout hitters in baseball. So yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, at what point is is he? He's 29, man. Like, well, at what point is he just sort of who he is? Right, he's going to get hot and hit some home runs at yeah, some point. But no, you're right. I, I just I can't watch it anymore. It, it, so do you? It, would you DFA? It's not him? right. It's not right. Cool. I just uh, to start What's with to start with, I wouldn't play him every day. Like that's where I want to start. I'm not even saying. DFA him. I'm saying you got to find an alternative to to playing him every single and like he basically has been benched once, and that's not being benched in in Rocco's world. That's just a day off to rest. So this is the last year of his contract. If they want it to be, he's yes. making nine point two million dollars this year. He has a fourteen million dollar team option for next yeah, year with not... a buyout around three million dollars. So <laughs> yes, sir. there's no way they're going to pay him fourteen million dollars. I think you know trading him would be great, but I don't know. Like no one, I don't know who's going to give you something of, of value for him. Unfortunately, so. All right, Dex, you got one more here. Yeah, for I do. Before we get to buffoon of the week, before uh, and this is not just to say Miguel Sano is going to wake up. I think the Twins' offense is about to explode here. So we, we were talking about underlying numbers, and and Sano's have been looking good, but the, actually the Twins' underlying numbers in terms of exit velocity and barrel rate have been one of the best in baseball. So right now, the Twins as a team, their exit velocity is 90, is 90 miles an hour, which is the sixth best figure according to Baseball Savant. According to their barrel percentage, so they're, they're squaring up their pitches on their barrel and hitting hard, hit, hard hits off the bat. They're Football. eighth in the MLB in barrel rate. But in batting average, just team traditional normal batting average, the Twins are 22nd out of 30 teams. So they are hitting a lot of atom balls, a lot of hard hits that are turning into outs, and I think eventually that's going to waken things up. So the, the, the bats have been obviously disappointing through the first dozen, uh, 15, 16 games of the season, but I do think this offense is about to explode. I love it. Atom balls. Atom balls. Atom balls. So sell it. Your guy Celestino that you just dogged earlier in the atom show ball. hit an atom ball yesterday. So now you're... So atom you're ball, ripping Celestino so no. earlier, and no. now you're using an atom ball to show why the offense is going to break out, That's you right. hypocrite. Yeah, no, I am. I'm a hypocrite. Talking out of both sides yeah. of your mouth. Correa That's will. Fine. Correa will. Correa will for sure, which is why I think on his days off, he should never be allowed near the ballpark. <laughs> don't get out of bed, dude. Just don't, stay no, in bed. No, Car- Carlos, <laughs> we don't want you to pinch hit. No, I, I mean, we could win this game. Let, let's send up Gadea. Let's send him up. Some guy, Celestino. Some guy we've never Godoy. heard of. Godoy. Hey, He's a catcher. Godoy. I don't know what his name is, but you know. Godoy. Well, and that's the thing is Jeffers. Jeffers has a bruise. He can't play today. That's another thing. He's a catcher. Didn't Jeffers hit a bomb yesterday? No, he didn't play. 
He got scratched for the yes. Heat. He had a bomb this weekend. This weekend. Yes. Friday and Saturday, yeah. he played well, and then he got a bruise, and then he couldn't play on Sunday. I feel like the, the tone of you two guys does not reflect the way the Twins played this weekend. So luckily, everyone has me to be Mr. Sunshine and Twins positivity on this show. For the first place Minnesota Twins with the best player in baseball, Byron Buck. Right. Let's get it. Break out. We're going to break out. Adam, balls are coming, but not from guys who don't play. Boys, the buffoon of the week this week on Mackie and Judd <laughs> is brought to you by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They are anything but buffoons. They are brilliant at maximizing the success of your business and helping to minimize risk. They've got over 100 years of experience. They specialize in uh, specific industries that you can find a list of at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. And for the second straight week, boys, we go to the Major League Baseball Umpires Association for our buffoon of the week. Last week, it was Minnesota's own Jeff Nelson. And ordinarily, we wouldn't go back-to-back umpires here, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw the clip of Kyle Schwarber having an absolute mental explosion after getting rung up on national TV last night. Angel Hernandez, you, sir, are the buffoon of the week for April 25th, 2022. So not only did he ring up, it was, it wasn't the call against Schwarber wasn't that bad. I mean, it was definitely a ball, but it was, it was low and outside and Schwarber took his bat and slammed it on the ground in his helmet and just made a beeline right for Angel Hernandez. And he even made the appeal to the Brewers dugout too. He he pointed to the Brewers dugout and the Phillies dugout. And basically said, "Everyone thinks you're an idiot. Go away." And then he walked back to the dugout. Yeah. So, uh, umpire auditor on Twitter. There's a couple great Twitter accounts that literally do like umpire grading, and they tweeted last night. Umpire Angel Hernandez was the lowest rated umpire on the day. He missed on 15 percent of total balls and strikes. Uh, he rang up six batters on pitches that were outside the zone and called a strike to Jean Segura that missed inside by a season-high six and a half inches. Angel Hernandez then, as he was driving out of the stadium after the game was over, somebody got video. Phillies fans were out there just, like, waiting for him to drive out of the tunnel. Oh, no! Hell yeah. And he's in some, I'm guessing, some rental car SUV. And some Phillies fan yells, Angel Hernandez, I hate you. You suck. And Angel is just smiling and waving at him as he drives out of the stadium. I'm surprised he didn't so, egg the, the car. Yeah, me too. They're brutal. Uh, so there it is. The buffoon of the week is the worst umpire in Major League Baseball. Angel Hernandez. How is he still employed? Mm-hmm. Like, I know he sued him, so they, and they don't God. think they can fire him, but my God. Dude, it's and how does he still work the plate? Why don't they at least, before... We eventually see the electronic strike zone. Why don't they take the idea of not allowing every one of these buffoons to have the plate? Yeah. There are some guys who can work the plate. Called strike three on six batters last night. Called strikes that were outside the zone. He's not even good on he the did. basis. No, no, but for those who tuned in last night to watch Angel Hernandez put on an ump show, they were rewarded on ESPN. The Schwarber meltdown was worth. Oh, it's great. I, I mean, he got his money's worth. I really enjoyed. I've it. done that numerous times. I've had that type of meltdown. Really? Yes. You spiked. What? I will. That I will just. When the Twins are in a playoff game, and they lose another one. That's exactly how I'm going to react. But you know that's going to happen. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's inevitable. Well, yeah, because seven it's been teams eighteen make the years playoffs. of that. Like, oh. Eight and eight leads the American League Central. Oh. Buffoon of the week is that division. 
The White Sox have lost seven straight games. Do you think Tony La is going to get canned God, mid-season? Dude, they've got nobody left, though. Yeah, they're hurt. E- Eloy got hurt and is out for how long? Yeah, On Lance Saturday? Out. Lance Lynn's out. Giolito just came back yesterday. They've got like six guys out. And, and Tony Kelly's out. And Tony didn't exactly, let's say, push all the right buttons on Sunday either. Hendricks was absolutely awful out, out there and looks like he, he might be hurt too. And they just sort of left him in face box. Why is Tony still dyeing his hair? Why is he back? Why is he managing yeah, it I all? Don't. Like I, I know, and I know that, that <laughs> they won, but when I dude, think what's it, left, when I think Tim Anderson, I think the manager he needs is Tony Larusa. Yeah, but it's, it goes beyond that. Like what's Tony doing? You know, just, I think part of the agreement should be if you are a manager and you are named to the Hall of Fame, you sign an agreement, you will never come back. Hey, real quick, we have breaking uh, Memphis Timberwolves news. You know, Taylor Jenkins, the Grizzlies coach, went on that rant about the officials after the game was over. Yeah. How much would you guess he got fined for? What was the fine? So, Judd. I'm going to say it's pretty extensive. It's playoffs and, and... the Suns coach. He basically called the, the officials arrogant uh, and incompetent. Twenty five thousand, fifteen thousand for Taylor Jenkins. Okay, Pro- probably worth it because I'm sure they're going to get a lot of calls at home in Game Five. The Suns coach went, went on a on a rant after the game yesterday after they, they lost to the Pelicans too. I'm telling you what I don't get is I'm not defending any team here. What I don't get after after closely watching these first four games of, of Wolves Grizzlies is this. When do they make the calls? Because they seem to they seem to like at the start of games they're cracking down on everything, and then they don't, and then they do sometimes again. Like like what is? Why are the timings the timing of what's a foul changing so drastically? Yeah, there's a lot of like anticipating things that and it, like John Morant is hard because we talked about this after game one, because he got to the free throw line 20 times. Now he hasn't gotten nearly as many. He only went to the line like three or four times in that last game. But right. a guy like him is hard to officiate because when he goes, he first of all, he's going into the lane all the time. Yeah. And anytime he takes any level of contact, he can kind of sell it because, Oh, I just ran into a six foot 10 guy who weighs 240 pounds. Like, Oh no, I'm on the ground. Well, did you, did you brush him? Like he can sell it a lot easier than other players. So, right. Now, I'm kind of defending officials a little bit, but I think, honestly, I think the NBA refs generally do, they do a better job than Major League Baseball umpires. And I think, like, NFL referees, too, have so many just ridiculous phantom calls on 15-yard penalties. I would take NBA refs over NFL refs and over Major League Baseball umpires. You guys would have to tell me about hockey refs. But Inconsistent, yeah, too. Just, but come playoff time in basketball, I would not try. I would not be trying to call yeah, everything. I don't get it. That's my problem. I, I actually, I'm not offended when they don't call things. I'm far more offended yeah. when they do. And, and like, I, I think there was a first, uh, there was a point in the first half of Saturday's game where they were calling offensive fouls right and left. It's like this is the playoffs. Guys have the basketball. They're going hard. Let them. Yeah, as a guy who's watched a ton of playoff hockey more than playoff basketball in the majority of his lifetime. Like, I, I can't stand when hockey fans complain about referees. I, I completely understand why basketball fans do. Like, th- like this is, this is a, tr- like, it's atrocious refereeing, even for someone who is not as a basketball But it's bad savant. both ways. Yeah. But in the playoffs so like, in basketball, like, I swear, it's, it's gone up. Like, it, it, it's worse. In hockey, that doesn't happen. Well, I just want consistency. What is a foul? Because a foul should just be a foul. 
And if you're going to call, you know, off. Yeah, but if you're going to call it in the first half and then it changes in like the third quarter, why, why did it change? I think you guys should just stick to hockey. Stick to Judd's hockey okay. show. We can do that. Oh, we, and we got Judd's problems problem. there, too. <laughs> just quit complaining. Like, Wolves fans were like, ref, you suck. And and then Taylor Jenkins goes off. It's like, okay, so it's, the ref, bad, you suck it's bad thing both is, ways. The ref, you suck thing, like, I get that it's fun and stuff. Like, it, I don't think it helps. You know, I, I think, like, those refs are humans. And the more that, like, the Wolves fans chant refs, you suck more than probably, like, other fan bases do it, too. But, and, I don't know. I think, I think you should... Reevaluate how much that helps or hurts your team. Bring, you chant refs, you suck. Bring back the BS chant. Bull yeah. bleep, bull bleep. First, yeah, of, because that's less of a personal attack, right? right. Like, so like you're saying the call is bull yes, bleep, yes, as opposed to you are and, bull bleep or you suck. And plus, kids should be exposed to things like like that now, so they learn. Like ref, you suck is like this sanitized, awful cheer. I think. It's like we gotta sanitize it. How ref, about the you I've, I've heard I've heard the bleep you refs chant before, not at Target Center, but I think BS is the best though because it's it it's one word. It's a great cheer, and yeah, it's not personal. It's like that call sucked. Like ref you suck just means you think the refs are bad, but then Taylor Jenkins is mad too. But I mean, let's have kids exposed to some really cool words. Judd Zolgan, always looking out for the kids yeah. here. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. I was. I grew up fine.